Tracy Siska, host of the Chicago Justice Show. I'm also executive director of the Chicago Justice Project. You can find out more about our work at chicagojustice.org. And we have new research coming out in about three weeks on the police accountability system. A big um, wide-angle look at it since 1980, about what data is available and how useless the system really is. Um, keep a lookout. It'll be, I think, like three weeks from uh, Tuesday. Okay. On today's show, we're going to talk about the FOP's useless fight on the vaccine mandate. It's an extortion plot, nothing more. Also, it has some ideology in there, um, an alt-rightness, as we know John Cotanzara is famous for. And included in that, the first segment will be some breaking news, because we have some breaking news about um, that and how this has moved into court. Then we talk about CBS's horrible report on Chicago Police Department being short officers. You could swear they have no idea what the hell they're doing. Another example of why academic, rigorous academic research is so much better than journalism. It doesn't mean journalism can't be great, and we're hoping to get um, some an example of that in the next week or two on the show, because there is great journalism going on in Chicago. It's just hard to find. And then at the end, the last segment, we're going to talk dangers of data-driven policing. And that's a piece from the Brookings Institute, um, oddly enough, from someone that used to be with the Brennan Center for Justice, who we just had a representative. We just had Rachel Levinson Waldman on, I think, last week from the, from the Brennan Center. So we have one of our former colleagues. We don't have the interview, but we have a piece written by, and it's really, really interesting. Okay, COVID and the FOP and the FOP's refusal to get... Um, vaccinated and and not so much vaccinated the FOP in this membership, refusing to have to tell the CPD what the the city whether or not they're vaccinated. And I think all along, this was an extortion plot from the beginning. Here's some news that you haven't heard anywhere else in Chicago. The initial demand from the Fraternal Order of the Police when they came to the table and the other unions, police unions, sergeants, lieutenants, and captains, I believe. Was what? What came out of John Cottonzara's mouth? $5,000 bonus per officer. Right. I forgot how many officers I put that in on. Let's do the math quickly. Oh, that ain't going to do it. Let's just do 11500 because that's a number we use later. Yes, yeah, so at 11500 officers which the CPD probably has a little more than that, it is $57.5 million. That's what Cotton Zara and the police unions wanted the city to spend to pay the police to get, to get a life-saving vaccine that will save their lives, um, prevent them from uh, greatly reduce the odds of them spreading it to their family and friends and communities and also spread it, oh, by the way, to the people they're helping. Now, we have data on this, and I'm going to hat tip to Chip Mitchell from Twitter. Um, he turned this on to a website called Law Enforcement Officer Down, which tracks officer line of duty deaths. Here we go. Here's the first chart. It's a bar chart. It's going to show you the, two, the same data on two different charts. For those who are looking, far left. 
are COVID-related deaths. There are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 1, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 15. On this chart, for if you're listening on the podcast, remember the video is up on YouTube or Facebook. You can go back and watch it. Plus, it's also embedded on our site for the post that you get this pod through. If you look at this chart, there are 15 other causes of death listed. The closest one to COVID on the bar chart is gunfire, murdered in the line of duty, and it's less than a quarter. Less than a quarter. Here is another way of looking at it. Let's look just at the raw numbers. 9-11 related illness. That's interesting. Uh, 20 years later, um, it's obviously still an issue, and um, so all kinds of issues from war and everything. But the most popular one, most popular one, the sadly the most common one is what I should have said, is obviously COVID-19. These are deaths 2021, ladies and gentlemen, not the last 12 months, the last 10 months, not even full 10 months. COVID-related deaths on this chart, 228. Gunfire, 48. That is like 21 or 22%. Gunfire deaths in the line of duty um, account for about 21-22% of the deaths in the line of duty. If you add up, so let me go back and say, the nearest one after gunfire, which is 48, COVID is 228, gunfire is 48. The next one is automobile crash at 16, heart attack 14, struck by vehicle 12, oh, I'm sorry, and I missed vehicular assault being run over 16. If you add in all the other possible causes of death, of a line of, death, uh, line of duty death this year, 9-11 related illness, assault, automobile crash, drowned, duty related illness, gunfire, gunfire inadvertent, like an accidental shooting, heart attack, Motorcycle crash, stab, struck by vehicle, training accident, vehicle pursuit, vehicle assault, being run over by a car, and weather, natural disaster. If you add all of those up, you get to somewhere around 80, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, gunfire is only about 21 or 22%. If you add up all the other ones, it's about 33%, a little over 33, it's about 37, 39%. That's right. Now, remember these numbers, ladies and gentlemen. Remember them when you're thinking the FOP union is not encouraging their, their officers to get the vaccine, a life-saving vaccine that could save their lives and the lives of their families and friends and communities and the people they're serving out on the street. I thought these were first responders. To serve and protect, what happened to that? What happened, ladies and gentlemen, is you're seeing... There was an, the, the, the union has never been good. Remember in the early nineties when John Burge got fired, finally, the FOP tried to run a float in the St. Patrick's Day Parade on the South side, supporting Burge, tortured over a hundred people, supported them. So it's never been good, but certainly over the last four to six, eight years, it's been taken over by an alt-right cult. It's part of the alt-right Trump cult. That's what you have here. Every single one of these people had to go to school in America, I would assume, or like 99% of them. Maybe some people didn't go to school in America. I'm pretty sure if you go to America or Canada, 
or Western Europe, Mexico, there are vaccine mandates to go to school and you have to tell the school, which is run 99% of the time, 99% of kids go by the government, you have to tell them your vaccine status to get into school. Not anymore. We don't, don't not us. This is definitely alt-right at its best. Remember, they backed Burge. Remember Jason Van Dyke, who murdered Laquan McDonald on videotape? When he got suspended, they gave him a job. This is the problem with the FOP. They will go to any end to protect the worst among them. They don't care. The worse they are, the more they fight for them. They cannot cut anyone loose. And they, in doing so, they end up hurting their own membership. That's what happens. They end up hurting their own membership. And that's a horrific reality. They should have cut Burge loose. They should have cut Van Dyke loose. They don't have to say right away, oh, he's guilty or not. We're just like, listen, we're, we're, if we have to legally defend him, I'm going to go through or have some lawyers go through the FOPs um, all their rules and regulations about whether or not they have to defend these people. But even if you got to pay for their defense in certain situations, you don't have to go and give him a job and go out. You Bad people do bad things. They can lose their job. It's okay. Not if you're the FOP, especially if the person is of color or not a police officer complaining about another police officer. or But that's okay as long as their boss is complaining about underlings. That's fine because Cotton Zara's had nothing but that his entire life. And if you're an officer of color, they don't care. And if you're a woman, they don't care. They just don't care. As long as you, if you're in the white cult, they're, then it's a, they're good with you. If you're not the white male cult, if you're not, they don't care. It's just so sad. So I want to go to another image real quick to show you the great hypocrisy of just what's going on with this FOP. This is a page out of the Sun-Times this week. I think this was Tuesday. Former FOP president, Dean Angelo Jr. I met him once at an event we spoke at. Lori Lightfoot was also on the panel. He promised to get me data about things and then never followed up because they don't have data and they don't like data. But there's an article in the Sun-Times, if you're listening in the pod, the first top of the page in the big article is FOP president dies of COVID. You can't make this shit up. The second part of the page, the bottom is Cotton's Hour urges cops to ignore city mandate to report vaccine status. Yep. Those two articles ran in a major daily paper in the hometown of the FOP on the same day. Are they shameless? Of course they are. Are they hypocrites? Of course they are. Are they basically unaccountable to everyone? Damn straight they are. Are we locked in ideological battle versus alt-right Trumpers, extremists, insurrectionists-like people, and the city? Of course they are. They don't want to be accountable to anyone. They don't think there should be any accountability for anyone to them, including their bosses. Cotton has got 50 complaints. Many, many from his bosses. He just simply doesn't care. He doesn't want to be held accountable by anyone. So, breaking news. 
the breaking news i don't have an image for it but you can go on crane chicago business if you want the article is titled lightfoot takes cop union to court over a vaccine mandate i got the alert i don't know about half an hour ago maybe days after subheading is days after the union chief representing rank and file cops threatens to sue the mayor filed her own complaint against the fop president it's an article by a d quig uh, formerly of the daily line and basically what you're getting here is lori lightfoot is suing the FOP Lodge and its president, John Cotton for engaging in and supporting and encouraging a work stoppage or strike. That's right. You can go to the article and read. I don't usually tell you to go read Crane's things because Crane's is awful most of the time, especially with Greg Hines. But um, you can go there if you want to read the complaint. It's in Cook County Circuit Court. And for those who don't know, it is illegal for the police to strike. It is illegal for there to be a work stoppage. It's in their contracts. It's in the law. So is really the FOP a union? It is highly questionable at best. They don't get along with any other union because of their extremism. Um, definitely shown by um, John Catanzara's uh, backing of the insurrection hours after it happened. Didn't see anything wrong with it. It's not a shock. Okay, we are going to move. Um, let me back up before we move. Cotton Czar and the FOP are going to lose this in court. They're going to lose their challenge if they file one against a mandate in court. That is why Cotton Czarra recently changed his language a bit. If you look at it in the papers and in the media, talking about how it's a uh, HIPAA violation. It isn't, Doug. It isn't. Tens of millions Tens of millions, tens of millions of kids report their vaccine status every year. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Happens, and those listening with kids knows, it happens every year. This is nothing new. This is just alt-right extortion. The alt-right hating a black female lesbian mayor. They would hate any mayor, but they hate her even more. They hate that she was on the police board. They hate that she was the head of OPS. She was slightly effective at the police board. I think she was pretty much useless at OPS. Um, they hate what she wrote in the Police Accountability Task Force report, even though that turned out to be mostly a flop. It certainly didn't impact her mayoralship at all. So um, the FOP will lose this. It's going to drag on for a bit, but they're definitely going to lose. Next segment. Now, lots of retirement. Hold on, before I go to this next segment, this is a video story from CBS 2 Chicago, and I struggled about whether or not to clip it or play the whole thing. I'm mean, going to end up clipping so much of it, I just figured I'd play it. It's three minutes and 12 seconds. It is from CBS 2 Chicago, and the title is Burnout and Low Turnout of Applicants Leaving CPD with Officer Shortage. People don't want to be the police. That is a quote from Alderman Anthony Beal in the Ninth Ward. You will see it. And one of the most, he was only in a year, but he was definitely by far one of the most useless uh, chairs of the police and fire committee and people on it for 20 years. He was, uh, he was a chair when um, it was early 2010 to like April, May 2011. After Ike Carruthers went to prison, he took over and he was out of the use of so you can go see it in our public safety or yeah, public safety committee report. We got a comment I want to read real quick. 
nope, that was just marketing. So we're going to get rid of that. Let's go to this clip. Um, and then we will talk about it when we are out. Um, I got plenty of criticism for it. Lots of retirements. Tonight, there's a Chicago police officer shortage. Many city leaders say will only get worse. CBS2 political investigator Dana Kozlov spoke to an ex-cop about the decision to get out of Chicago. I think that you have to take care of yourself first. Self-preservation. One reason this now former Chicago police officer recently left the department with less than eight years on the job. I was frustrated with the work schedule and being put in unexpected situations. Also, I think that Chicago police officers are underpaid for what they do. This ex-CPD officer who didn't want to be identified knows of at least 10 others who've done the same in the past year. Forced OT and canceled days off, along with plummeting CPD ranks, all factors. I knew I was just going to be put in worse working situations and conditions from there on because they were going to be short-staffed and the department and people who run it, the politicians, they thought that that was an okay situation for officers to be in. This officer is one of many leaving the Chicago Police Department for smaller departments or leaving policing altogether. That, in addition to a large number of retirements, has sparked a policing crisis in Chicago, according to 9th Ward Alderman Anthony Beal. People don't want to be the police. The police don't want to be the police. Beal recently asked the city's budget director, Susie Park, for the expected number of sworn officer vacancies on January 1st, 2022. In this memo, Park puts that number at an expected 908 vacancies, not counting any unexpected resignations or retirements. But Beal says that number is actually much higher. People fail to realize last year we wiped out 614 vacancies out of last year's budget. But when we talk about that we're down 1,000 officers, we're actually down 1,600 officers. The city's policing shortage isn't just due to retirements and officers leaving. Many aldermen point out to me that even if the city wanted to fill all of its officer vacancies right now, it couldn't. At a budget hearing this week, Police Superintendent David Brown told committee members about 5,000 people have applied to Chicago's Police Academy this year compared to around 30,000 in years past. And Beal believes there are less than 100 cadets in the academy right now. By the time you get people to take the test, pass the test, go through the background check, and get in the academy, by then, we're in the 2023 going into 2024. Beal says hiring must go hand in hand with initiatives to help combat root causes of violence. But for this ex-CPD cop, it reinforces the move to a smaller department. I enjoy having a consistent schedule. I work longer shifts now to have more days off and it utilizes officers for better manpower to run a department, which I think is smarter and it benefits officers more. In Chicago, Dana Kozlov, CBS2 News. We had issues with the mic there. No offense to Dana, this one piece of crap. And this is the and this is a great example exemplar of why quality academic research is so much better than journalism. You found one cop. One. Do you know that one cop is representative of all the other cops you're trying to talk about? And how many other cops you're trying to talk about? Mm, you didn't say. You know why? Because you don't know. That was one cop. 
Maybe that cop's a goddamn idiot. Maybe that cop's highly abusive and he was pushed out. Did you check his background? Do we know? Maybe he had 50 complaints already he racked up. Maybe he's under current investigation. Did you check? Why you would interview just one cop about their one experience, he leaves, and not, and not challenge anything he said. It's obviously all right. Let's confront a couple of stupid things he said because he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He's only been on the job a few years. First of all, yes, did they have to work too many hours with the days canceled off? No doubt about it. Is that going to happen when there's extreme events like the George Floyd protests and, and unrest? Yes. Are you going to have to live with that? Yes, you are. Chicago could never afford, nor do we need, nor should we ever employ enough cops to handle all of that rare once every 20 50 year 100 year event to do that is mind-bogglingly stupid if you're calling for that you're an idiot so that's one problem second they're underpaid by far no they're not no they're not look at the qualifications at the education levels look how much they make they're not underpaid he has no clue if they're underpaid from what compared to what is they underpaid tell me they come out of the academy, make, I think, making $58,000 a year. If they never get a promotion, they top out at least eighty-five dollars or $90,000 a year without ever getting a promotion. They have a goddamn pension. How many people have pensions? They work too much. Listen, during the protest and unrest, yes, you're going to have to deal with it. That's what you signed up for, brother. You don't like it? I don't care. You signed up for it. That's what you signed up for. You're a first responder. I don't want you to have to work that much. I'd rather there be peace. Have your colleagues stop murdering black people for no goddamn reason. Let's try that for a cure. The unrest lays at the feet to some degree of city leaders and some degree at the police department itself and the members. John Conzaras, John Burgess, Jason Van Dykes, SOS. We can go on and on and on and on and on about how bad they treated people of color in this city, take some responsibility. And that is why this report, without checking the background of the officer, you can easily do it on the Invisible Institute's website. They could have easily checked what there is, how many complaints the officer has, what his background is like. Has he ever been sued? How many times? What for? Now he could say he has no complaints, never been sued, and that would little little credibility to him. The fact you never looked, Dana, is a problem. So they're not underpaid. Second of all, yes, for the unrest and stuff, they work too much. But average days, they don't work too much. This guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Jody Weiss, they used to be on a five-day, I believe five and two, five days on, two days off, and they used to rotate their days off. And they've been like that for years and years and years. Jody Weiss in the city, Jody was forest superintendent. Under Daily, they did a study, and they found out that if they switched to four and two, four days on, two days off, rotating, the cops would use more of their comp time, time they got working for overtime they built up to take more days off and connect their days off. They would do that, so they switched to that almost entirely in the patrol division. So what had happened is a matter of course with that. The CPD officers, the average officer got 13 days extra off a year. Think about that, Lee. It was basically two weeks of extra vacation. And it helped the city... Because police were using more comp time, it helped the city do more. Um, it helped the city 
pull down what they owe officers, which they love because officers are using it. It's cheaper to use it now than in the future when they're making more money. Once again, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So that's him. So those are two big strikes against him and any credibility whatsoever. Cops winning suburbs, I don't care. Here's the, now here's the crust of the problem. How many officers does Chicago need? Does Dana have a clue? No. Does Dana care? No. Does Beal? No. We have a staffing, we have a number, and I rant about this all the time, political generated number, 13,250, 13,750, it's somewhere in that range. It's over 13,000. There's no science to back up we need that many cops. Yep, it's just automatically assumed that's the right number. And the media refuses to do anything about it. They just swallow it up because they're freaking lemmings. Okay, let me give you some numbers, okay? Now remember, where I'm about to, the numbers I'm about to give you, New York, geographically-wise, much bigger than Chicago. L.A., much bigger geographically than Chicago. New York, L.A., much fewer shootings, much fewer uh, per capita, much fewer homicides. Sometimes some of the homicides are even just bulk less, period. We've had a year where we've had more homicides than both of them put together. So here we go. L.A. population, just under 4 million. L.A. has 10,000 and eight, so we'll say 10,000 officers. L.A. has one cop per 397 residents. Bigger square footage. Population almost 1.5 times. Less cops, 1.397, right? New York population, New York City population. Now, LA also has the LA County Sheriffs that help them, but also Chicago has Cook County Sheriffs, and it's, it's, it's complicated. New York Police Department, 8.4 million, a little over. Population, New York. Police Department officers, 36,178. Is that correct? Well, not really. That We have it on paper from years ago. I'd have to dig it up in the archives. We sent the FOIA in from the New York Police Department. That number is actually includes the officers that are not employed through, nor paid through, nor have any accountability to, nor in the accountability system. The Port Police. The Port Police do not report to nor are they employed by the New York Police Department. But the New York Police Department counts them, so it gives them a, a huge sounding number. But even with that number, let's do the math. So population, 8.4, a little over 8.4 million. New York Police Officers, a little over 36,000. There is one cop for every 232 citizens, or on the citizens, residents of New York City. Not to mention, ladies and gentlemen, when you look, especially in New York, Think of the ten, the millions, the couple million probably, that commute into New York City every day. Chicago population, 2.7 million. Less than one-third of New York's. We have 11,500 officers. If you take out the 5,000 or so port police that, that was like 10 years ago, we'd have to go check what that number is now. You would see, ladies and gentlemen, that New York, that Chicago has more officers. But even with that 5,000 added in or whatever that number is into the New York Police Department, New York Department has one cop for every 232 citizen residents. 
New York Police Department is one officer per 235. So we're very close. If, if, ladies and gentlemen, if you have 11,500 officers, which is probably where the CP is reasonably close to right now. The numbers are very hard to get. LA has almost 50% more people, has a bigger geographic space, and they have one officer per 397 residents. That's right. We need more officers. Listen, there's not a whole lot of evidence that we need more officers. The Police Executive Research Forum, the International Associated Chiefs of Police, will tell you it's not the number, it's what you do with them. Could we argue Brown's not doing anything with them or doing the right things with them? Absolutely. I would argue that this is not, first of all, this is going to settle down when it gets cold, first of all. Second of all, especially if it gets really cold. And second of all, it's going to settle down if people actually do something in these communities. Right? Yes, the numbers are not great in Chicago. But yes, those numbers are getting ever so um, amplified by social media and the media trying to keep up with social media. In the fact that stuff's recorded online. Like, oh my God, can you believe this incident happened? That's never happened before. No, they've all happened. There really isn't, outside of like a really huge mass shooting, there really isn't a criminal event that could happen in Chicago that hasn't happened already, ladies and gentlemen. So when you read these media reports, especially from alt-right outlets that are political operations driving an agenda, Chicago Citywide, Crime in Wrigleyville blog, uh, Chicago Contrarian, the alt-right of Chicago, the insurrectionists of Chicago, they share that thinking. They amplify these things as if they've never happened. It's untrue. We've had children throw people, other children out windows. What's worse? Everything has possibly happened. People getting mugged. I mean, people are worried about downtown. That's, I think, I think the main, what you're getting out of Chicago City and Chicago Contrarian, Crime and Wrigley blog and everything is that it's just happening in Whiteville and white people don't like that idea. No one wants crime in their communities, but a lot of time the North side don't care when it's happening on the South and West side. Okay. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. I really appreciate it. We'll get the data-driven policing threat to our constitutional rights on Monday, Monday show, 9 a.m. Central. I do want to just quickly remind you, cjpnation.org, get involved, crowdsource research projects. Many, many of our projects this summer, we published a bunch. Those published projects are almost entirely due to crowdsource research projects from volunteers and interns. I am not doing this alone. If you want to get involved, public policy advocacy, social media advocacy, crowdsource research projects, cjpnation.org. You can find out about the projects. You can contact the leaders of the, our nation program. It's all up there. If you're interested and want to contact me to direct, directly, uh, info at chicagojustice.org. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thank you.